Welcome to the Money and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Nelson. My mission to empower millennial couples to make money moves that won't just improve your financial health, but strengthen your marriage as well. In this podcast, I share stories, tips, and tricks, both from my experience as a certified financial planner and from my own marriage, to help you and your spouse kick financial anxiety to the curb and use your money to create the lives you love together. Let's get started. One of the most common questions that I get, particularly from newlywed couples, is about you know, how to actively go from managing money on your own as a single person to managing money together with a new spouse. And that typically what people mean when they talk about that is, is you know, combining finances. How do we combine our finances in a, in a strategic and effective way. So I want to talk about that a little bit today. And just to to be clear off the top before we go through the kind of big three financial strategies I see couples do to to do this effectively, just a couple quick clarifications at the top. Um, First and foremost is I do not recommend you combine money with anybody who you're not legally married to. And so, you know, if you're living with a partner, even if you're engaged, I wouldn't take any of these steps at this point. I'd wait until you're legally married to to combine the, the vast majority of your finances, just to put that out there at the beginning. Um, second, you know, I, I'm primarily going to talk about your kind of day-to-day money accounts in this context. I'm not really talking about any sort of retirement accounts, credit cards, um, even like health insurance policies and things like that. Literally, we're, we're just talking about the bank accounts you use on a day-to-day basis. How does it make sense to combine those or not combine them when you get married? So with all that out of the way, um, let's talk through the kind of three approaches you can take. Um, first and foremost, you can decide not to combine anything at all, right? Uh, I, I know a lot of people these days are concerned about financial security and maintaining some sort of financial independence when they get married. And so sometimes I see couples who come in and don't really have any desire to combine any of their accounts when when they get married. And that can work for some couples. Um, It generally is not the approach that I recommend, though. And there's really a few reasons why that's the case, right? That, That I find that people who go down this road of keeping all their money separate tend to regret it sometimes down the road and end up changing their mind later, which is completely fine, of course. Um, none of this is permanent. Uh, you know, there, there's always there's always tweaks you can make. But here, here are the problems I see when, people, when couples keep all of their finances separate after they get married. It's nice and easy because it's what they're used to. But there's a few problems. First and foremost, you know, I'd... I'd invite you to kind of think through what this looks like when you project it forward. 50 years from now, right, not combining your finances, what is that going to look like in your relationship? And, and I'll tell you what that would look like, right? It means, you know, when, when you're in your retirement, you are still splitting bills 50-50, right? You are squaring up at the end of every month, right? Making sure that you're kind of balancing things out equally, um, it can get messy over time. And then particularly when you're dealing with when you're older, right? What happens if, you know, something happens to to your partner, they have a $5,000 medical expense, you know, are are you not going to pay for that if they need help, 
Like, are, are, are you still keeping money completely separate at that point? And usually I find when I talk to couples, the answer to that is no. At which point I say, okay, great. When is that going to change? At what point are you moving from kind of keeping your money separate, particularly for big needs like that, to, to managing them together? When, when is that transition going to happen? Is it going to happen after 20 years of being married? It's going to happen after 10 years of being married. It's going to happen after five years of being married, right? Versus why not just take that step now? You've taken the step to, you know, committing legally to spending the rest of your life together. Um, that could be undone potentially, of course, but as could combining your finances. And so, you know, I, I find that when we kind of look through this in a longer term lens, oftentimes it becomes clear to couples that keeping things separate every step of the way often isn't the right approach for them. You know, and, and even in the short term, though, ignoring the longer term perspective, where I see this get really messy is for couples who want to have kids and potentially one one person be a stay-at-home parent a couple of years down the road, right? At, at which point, if your finances are separate, one person doesn't have an income because they are you know, staying at home, taking care of the, of the, the family and the house. They don't have an income anymore, which means that if the, if your money is completely separate, the the working you know the, like the employed spouse is I mean, often giving an allowance literally to the the spouse who's staying at home. It just it that can can really the relationship dynamics when you do that become pretty complicated pretty fast. And I and I'd caution you against that sort of thing. And it's something that you want to think through if you're desiring to keep things separate as you do that. And at the end of the day, right, the, the biggest problem I actually see is it's just very easy to continue the status quo when you keep your finances separate, which means that it's hard for you to learn to manage your money together, right? You, you can keep your account separate, but your money does need to be working together to get you to where you both want your lives to take you. And having that that visibility and, and making sure where you're allocating your resources effectively together, it just the the more friction you put into place in terms of you know making it hard for you both to get a clear picture of what your overall household financial situation looks like, it just makes it harder for your money to work together. And so I, I would seriously give some thought to the implications of that before you decide to, to keep things separate. But that, but that is an option. You you can choose to kind of maintain all separate accounts as you go. The second choice you can make is to combine everything. The opposite, of course, right? Um, rather than keeping separate checking accounts, separate savings accounts, you're just going to pool everything together. Um, I find that this option tends to be appealing for couples who view it as a very symbolic thing, right? You know, we're, we're married, we're, we've gone from being separate individuals to one couple, we're in this together, we're in it to win it. Why would we not combine everything? And that's certainly a nice sentiment, of course. Um, it also makes it very easy to see your financial progress. If, it, if it's hard for your money to work together, if you keep completely separate accounts, the easy way to fix that is combining everything, at which point, right, your your money is working together by default because it, it, everything is coming in and out of your joint accounts. You both can see, have a very clear you know, access and, and you can see where all your money is. It, it makes it very easy 
to manage that. The primary downside to that, though, is that you end up losing all personal financial autonomy when you combine everything, right? Nothing is just yours at that point in time, which is okay as long as you are not inclined to fight about money and spending with your partner, right? For, for couples who are, you know, have some differences in money habits where, you know, one of you is more inclined to spend than the other, and that can create some, some bickering from time to time. That's where I'd be really careful about combining everything because, you know, literally putting everything into one shared pool where, you know, the, the other, there, there's no kind of separate spending money for each of you. It's visible at least, right? And so, you know, le- leads itself well to you know, questioning every purchase and you know, just not having the freedom to have some of your own financial resources that you can spend the way you want to, which does tend to increase money fights for couples who are inclined to do that. And so if, if that is you, that is something you should be aware about before you literally just combine, decide to combine everything. And for those couples, the, the solution I, I usually recommend is actually the third option, which is, as you probably would expect, a blend, right? You know, having kind of three pools of money, um, your money, my money, and our money. And the vast majority of that, if you're going to set up this sort of structure, should be our money, right? Most of your, you know, your paycheck should go into a shared checking account that you're managing all your household expenses from that you're paying down your debts from, that you're paying your bills, that you're directing money into joint savings accounts for your savings goals for, right? Everything kind of moves from that joint checking account. But you also decide to keep some money off to the side for yourself. You can decide how to do that depending on what makes sense for your just kind of family budget. I actually typically typically recommend couples set a budget first with some personal spending aside and then use that to determine how much to keep off to the side in your own individual checking accounts for personal expenses. And so, you know, if you, if you haven't gone through your budget in that level of detail, you know, you, you can do a percentage of each paycheck or a fixed dollar amount per month that you are intentionally directing out of the joint checking account into your individual checking account. Uh, that gives you a little bit of that financial autonomy and, you know, kind of personal, financial independence that uh, a lot of people very naturally desire. You know, it's money that you can spend on whatever you want because you've already budgeted for it. And, you know, if you're taking care of all the other financial priorities you have without that money, then it literally is by definition not a problem if you spend it on something while also making sure the bulk of your money works together toward the most important things for you financially. And so... That ultimately is the is the setup I typically recommend for couples is you know, having a joint checking and, and savings accounts that are working together, right, where the vast majority of your income and expenses are being directed, and then keeping you know some some individual yours and mine checking accounts off to the side for for different you know fun money type purchases and or just other personal spending that you have. Those are the three options, keeping everything separate, keeping everything together, or or doing a a more blended approach. There are pros and cons to each. I do find that the blended approach tends to be the most effective for couples. (music) 
Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Money and Marriage Podcast. If you want to learn more, you can access my favorite money exercise for free if you head to paysetterplanning.com slash money and marriage. Again, that's paysetterplanning.com slash money and marriage. Get your access today and I'll see you next time. Thank you.